Hello and welcome to the Agri-Food Comscast. Once again, we're delving into the story behind the story on the issues facing the food and farming supply chain. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Rebecca Rayner from Glebe Farm Foods, the only farm in the UK growing and processing gluten-free oats into oat milk and who hit headlines last year when they won the court case against the multi-million pound corporate giant Oakley. Big welcome to you, Rebecca. Hello there. So, Rebecca, just give us a little bit of background about Glebe Farm Foods and the story so far. Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, well, I'm Rebecca Rayner and I, um, I farm with my brother Philip Rayner on uh, Glebe Farm, Kings Ripton Huntingdon in Cambridgeshire. I was very keen to stay on the family farm and I came back to the farm about 20 years ago. I'm a second generation farmer. And very keen to add value to what we grew. We started with very poor crop prices 20 years ago, and I was very keen to add value or do something slightly different. So I used to go to farmers markets, which were very, very well attended in those days, and to go and sell bread. And from the people that were buying bread, very often used to get asked for bread without any wheat in it, or have you got any gluten-free bread? And that's I used to get asked so many times on that. So growing milling, wheat flour, that kind of thing, from making the bread, um, I could then look at other mixes and started doing gluten-free. So even and back then you were farm to fork, you were actually doing the processing element as well as the um, the farming. Yes, that's right. Yes. So uh, I used to do many farmers markets about uh, six to eight a month and used to sell my bread there and of course more and more people kept saying have you got any gluten-free bread so that's how it all started so from making bread mixes because obviously gluten-free bread is it has got a, quite a short shelf life we then found that gluten-free bread mixes are imported flours potato starch rice flour mm. um, but we we could find that if oats were very pure they could be classified as gluten-free and there's test test results to prove that so we moved on to making oat-based products, gluten-free oat-based porridge, oat flour, and in the last three or four years is the actual oat milk. Fantastic. So yeah, that's really sort of changed as to you know how you how you've developed the, the business. And I, I guess one of the reasons to sort of approach you was, you know, we uh, bumped into you at the food expo and you know the the legal challenge obviously against um Oatly, it was something that you're known for and obviously being an independent family farm uh, up against a big corporate. Just tell us a bit about that legal challenge and, and how it came about initially. Well, that's right. We we launched Pure Oaty, uh, a few years ago. And as soon as we tried to launch a, or register a trademark for the name, that triggered Oatly to, you know, within a few months to actually put a claim into Suez. So it came it came about with the they were concerned about the the word pure oaty and oatly was similar and also the the blue packaging um, which we had as well which was similar to one of their blue packaging so it was um this was all around sort of february 2020 and it went obviously with covid it it did go it did go on for a long time it was particularly stressful but we thought we had a good case Mm, okay. yeah. did, did you think twice about sort of going down the legal route and thinking sort of reputational damage that sort of risk factor as I said we thought we had a good case it was going to be costly to fight it but my my brother's very very, my brother's very keen to do this to actually fight the case he's had he's been to court before so that was a less 
dare I say, frightening opportunity to take on. So, but of course, the claims when when it all happens, they go into all your emails. You have to declare all sorts of information which you didn't think you'd have to. So the whole sort of the whole thing was basically a week to week kind of talk with uh, lawyers. The, the time element took, you know, forever really, and the whole thing took about eighteen months to two years to actually get a result. So. Yeah. And where were you marketing your Pure at the time? Was it going into the supermarkets? Where were you selling it? No, not necessarily. No, that it was more um, independence. We were into garden centres. Uh, Dogby's Garden Centre had the, uh, the range as well. And just more um, independent businesses. We were starting with Hong Barrett uh, at that point. But since the, the court case, we've grown into... Again, with Holland Barrett, we've managed to launch the whole range of milks, plant-based milk, so soy, almond, coconut, and obviously we've got now two oat milks. But also it's helped us launch into Morrison's as well. So we've, on the back of the court case, we've had a lot of awareness. Amazing. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. were, did you feel that any of your contracts originally were at risk or, you know, was there sort of a bit of a mitigation or did you have to talk to them about what was going on and, you know, was there... I think really if we'd lost the case, it would have meant a, a change in packaging. That's what mm. that was what's up for grabs, really. So I don't know. The, the consumer we found was so supportive of us. There was a petition that went round. There was 130,000 signatures. And this wasn't even made up by us. This was made up by a local um, VG Coffee over in Peterborough, uh, sorry, in Cambridge. And um, another lady called Riyadh who uh, started the petition. So there was so much support for us to um, mm. that we would never have sort of gone downhill. In fact, I think yeah. um, we'd have, we'd have carried on with the awareness, but with a change of packaging. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing that you'd really got that sort of level of of support that you're you'd got that brand loyalty. I guess that people really recognised who you were, and I guess who Oatly were, and you know really got behind you from the offset. Yes, very, very pleased with the support. As I say, the social media has gone quite, um, quite mad now with with likes and people supporting mm. us with their word, you know, words and stuff. So very happy. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And congratulations for sort of uh, taking them on and, and getting to where you where you wanted to, to get get to. So you, you said earlier that, you know, that you've actually grown um, since the court case. Um, you know, what was it? the different channels was it through twitter or you know where do you feel like the awareness really grew and supported you yes very much through the social media side and it's given us a a a base to sort of look at a bigger spend of advertising as well because what we have realized that you have to it's a noisy world out there's a busy world in the advertising you have to create awareness and as i say this led on to the the second piece which was the victoria station Mm. um advert which has been a little bit tongue-in-cheek it got the message over and it's, it's sort of amusing as well so and again we got a great response from that as well so for those who haven't sort of seen the billboard campaign just describe to me what they what they look like okay so the ones at victoria station that we put up literally just for one day there was there was two it was revolving there was oatly sued us we won now help us pay off our lawyers which was very cheeky the second one was Oatly sued us because you can't beat true British oat milk. 
I mean, it's the the trend these days for brands to perhaps be a bit cheeky, be a bit forthright with different things, you know, legal chart, I think in Colin the Caterpillar and others of these sorts of, of nature. I mean, how how comfortable are you with that sort of you, you've been quite brash haven't you in in a sense with that advert how how comfortable are you with that that's right well you have to be you have to make people smile I find that um humor helps no end but you have to be quite gutsy because I said it's a busy world with with Mm. advertising out there and you have to get the message across so Mm. it's important to raise awareness in Mm. however you feel so what what was the reaction to the Victoria Station? Did you have you seen an uplift as a direct? Have you been able to sort of measure that success? That's right. We've we've had more awareness again. The social media's gone um, gone quite busy again, and also we've had on the back of that we've had the BBC contact us about doing a, a Made in Britain piece on us over the the harvest, and so they'll come to the farm. Oh, brilliant! And they're going to do a thirty minute program about us, which yeah. is great. Yeah, the um, Venera Two Country File, which has always been my, um, I've always aspired to, and also just the, the the farming and the food press. We're very pleased to be in the grocer again, and that gets our name out there. It's good. obviously it's worked, and it's really raising your your name. And I guess then that's your opportunity to talk about the sustainability credentials for. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So yes, please watch our space. So we'll have uh, more up up more up our sleeve. I'm sure yeah. there'll be. Yeah. Just talk to me about the, the sort of scale of growth that you have seen over this period with the court cases and, and, and everything else. Well, we have grown in terms of turnover and we've moved from sort of nine to 12 million pound turnover, uh, which seems quite heady after our days of um, doing farmers markets and bringing in you know, a few hundred pounds. It's about 15 years ago. We've also taken on a lot more people as well. So we've got about 50 to 60 people working for us. And then there's the contractors, which are here as well, but they, they go away again, if you know what I mean. So the employment is, is huge. My brother and I still keep on top of who's about, but it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of people to support and we're, you know, it, they're doing, it, it's, a, it's a nice environment down there and we're very pleased to uh, support the local people uh, working for us as well. Mm. So how important is that sustainability to your brand and how you feel that, you know, that loyalty to, you know, buying pure OT is connected with that? Oh, very much so. Yes, the sustainability is very much part of what we grow. We have a very low carbon footprint because it's all it's all done here. It's all grown and processed at, at Glebe Farm. Yeah. So, you know, if competition coming along and, you know, they're potentially also going to be, you know, using UK oats, that sort of thing. Is is that quite a worry for you or do you feel that actually you've had the first march and that's going to serve you in good stead? Well, it's um, I, I realise that a lot of companies now are looking to go more sustainable, but we're not just pe- people say they oh, we grow we grow trees, but actually we grow a hell of a lot. <laughs> I physically planted hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trees, so we do a lot more than um, a, a company would to make themselves carbon neutral, if you know what I mean. Mm. So we're here at, at the farm base and. We know exactly what we're doing and, you know, the whole structure of how it works. As I say, being from the the farming side, the farm to fork angle of the growing and the processing of the oat milk, we we are very sustainable and we we take that to, to heart, really. We have biomass boilers on the farm. 
we can actually produce oat milk with with no fossil fuel now. We have nearly a thousand solar panels on the farm, which makes an interesting cleaning. <laughs> yes, brilliant. It's <laughs> coming up for coming up to be done. And yes, we do an awful lot of biodiversity around the farm. So we have a huge sort of pl- a plan for the farm. We've now entered another five year scheme of putting about five hectares of growing bumblebee mixes and clover mixes for increasing insects for and then that encourages the birds to come that's mm. what you have to do and even with the the owl we have a number of owl boxes encouraged horny and barn owls which are both at risk and again it's you 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 put the boxes up but you still have to encourage the animals to come like the the, the bowls that they eat so you have to create the habitat for them to come and then of course the mm. and then the birds will come because if there's no food they won't come regardless yeah, of being yeah. a nesting box up there or not yeah. so you're quite a rare breed really in in some senses doing that entire farm to fork story yes yes there's not many farmers doing uh, what we're doing and but there's always opportunities for farmers to diversify i went to the big agricultural show a couple of days ago at cereals and was talking mm. at the nfu tent and uh, there are farmers which are taking on all sorts of diversification i wish them the best because it's important not to just carry on doing cost production agriculture mm, mm, so. no definitely I mean do you ever feel that there's any kind of conflict of interest uh, at all you know uh, you think of plant milks and you perhaps think vegan and you think of you know perhaps more processing plants than you do actually you know that that sort of real farming if you see what I mean <laughs> um well there's always the uh, there's, there's always a I mean Oatly went down the route of actually condemning dairy milk which we don't think is the answer we've got we've got lots of farming friends and we wouldn't dream of going down that route because there's there's lots of opportunities to do different things and whether it's uh, milk from oats or milk from cows or goats or sheep or whatever or llamas or you know what's happening these days there's there's huge scope there so there's there's no um conflict of interest really with other farmers there's a market for you all and actually you're all farmers in it that's right and the consumer is very keen on buying british and the more we can do to stop importing our food you know that the better really um Mm. so um they're, they're they're keen to try all new forms of food Mm. and I guess that gives you a bit of a unique proposition as well you know with a lot of the plant milks Um, but it's interesting you're now sort of diversifying a bit more into the almond and the coconut ranges as well that's right we were were asked to actually sort of present a a, a range of plant-based milks we couldn't just do the the oat milk alone it's more for customers into the food service they want to supply our range they've got to supply the package because of you know the the choice of different options because that's what the consumer wants so Mm. fantastic so what's what's next for glebe farm foods you know what are you you thinking obviously you said wait from where you were 15 years ago a few hundred pound farmers markets to that's right well gosh um well we've got things up our sleeve we've got obviously the new packaging rolling out as we speak so we we want to extend the range so the new packaging will go onto the breakfast cereals um granolas we've also got some new flavors coming out with the granolas and just, just going at the packaging, we wanted to make it more personal to what we do. So we've forever got the uh, the small old-fashioned tractor there, which was one of the tractors that I used to drive. It's a Ford 4000. 
and um, also the, the the picture on the top of the packaging which has a little house which I live on the farm I'm looking out at the farm as we speak and we have a cat in the in the picture which is our stray that came in called well she's got a name she's got uh, one or two names but um, I like to call her Dusty because she lives in the cleaning plant um, she she, uh, she has a uh, She's got some friends over there which feed her, you know, guys that work for us. And uh, yes, yeah, so we've, we've made the packaging as as personal as we can, really. And we've, you know, shouted about the sustainability. But so we've got the, the packaging to, to roll out. But also we've got some, um, we're also doing a new side, which is oat protein. So we're very pleased to be able to launch a protein as a, a dried white powder form, which will be about 30% protein. And it'll be allergy, allergen, allergen friendly. So it'll have unlike soy or nut proteins it will be allergy free it'll be an oat uh, gluten-free oat protein and it won't have any taints to it it's quite um quite well it's bland you know it's a bland powder so we hope that will get incorporated into bars or breakfast cereals or you know there's there's lots of opportunity there whether it's dairy-free products yeah, yeah, absolutely. The opportunity is enormous, really. For yeah. that. Well, you've certainly hit with the market appetite, you know, for gluten free and obviously got in early, you know, probably in advance of the, the surge in interest. Oh, for... You've got to be. Yes, you've got yeah. to stay ahead of the game. And um, otherwise you can very easily sort of fall behind. You have to keep innovating. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, innovation costs a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> yes. And new machinery yeah. costs a lot of money. Absolutely. <laughs> have, to be, have to be sure about these things. Yes. Yeah. But also, you know, you've taken a risk and it's paid off. And as you say, it's the ultimate diversification. And, you know, you've taken a lot of middlemen out of the process, I guess, which is, um, you know, fantastic to see, particularly, you know, as you say, a cereal crop, which is often thought of as, as a commodity to, uh, you know, bring it directly to you know supermarket shelves that's right i don't don't, i don't think a lot of people know really how much goes into processing of a an oat and when they come around they're quite they're quite shocked how much is involved because the the crop in the field is very much a raw state it has a husk on the outside so we have we have a cleaning plant we then have to dehull it it has to be steamed to prevent rancidity so there's flake that then it gets flaked and then from there we can make the oat milk so that's it's there's a there's a lot going on here i can tell you so very, very <laughs> complex and uh, you do it all on your premises do you all on the on we the do farm. yes yes yeah. the um it's literally outside um it's about sort of 40 to 50 metres to my in front of my bungalow, which um, it's quite nice to get some peace and quiet in the evening because there is a little bit of noise. In the um, yeah, the machine. So. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. It's so interesting to hear that that story and, you know, how actually a corporate giants, probably their strategy possibly backfired <laughs> from their point of view in taking you to court because it's actually, you know, projected you into the limelight and, you know, you're taking advantage of that clearly and really raising awareness and being really bold in your your approach and directly competing on that in that marketplace. And, and that's a fantastic story, you know, straight from the straight from the farm. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for your time, Rebecca. You're welcome, Catherine. Thank you. That brings the episode to a close. A big thank you to my guest, Rebecca Rayner. Next month, my colleague Ben will be sitting in as host for me. But in the meantime, please follow the show to be updated of future episodes. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And you can also rate us on Apple too. Thanks for listening. I'm Catherine Lynch. <laughs>